All right, welcome back to Hellas and Homies. I'm with 24 Karat Kev, arguably one of the biggest personalities in Australian hip hop. Stop, bro. You're making me yeah. blush. <laughs> making me blush, brother. No, bro. <laughs> it's crazy for me because, like, so I, I was born in 2000. So when I was 12, 13, it was like 360 Cursor. And then we made our way through, like, Alex Jones and all that. And then, like, to the point we've arrived. And you're one of those people that's, like, seen the whole scene. Yep. What's it been like for you just watching Australia go from, like, essentially, like, battle rap and, like, a smaller scene to international attention. It's crazy, man. Like, if you told me this stuff was going to happen 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, like, all the music back then, you know, the stuff that I was listening to, you know, Curse, um, Horror Show, yeah. Spit Syndicate, all that stuff, like, I still love that music yeah. to this day, you know what I mean? My favourite hip-hop album from the country is still probably Lyrical Commission, The Stage Is Set, and that came out in, like, the early 2000s. So yeah. I think it's just, like, um, really important now as we reach a level of attention that Australian hip hop hasn't received ever before. Yeah. We really remember who laid down the foundations for that to happen, you know? Yeah. And you know, the music coming out nowadays is is it's so sonically diverse and so sonically different. I feel like maybe whereas before music was a little bit more localized, which is also a good thing in a way. Yeah. I think now it's like really got that global potential and I think there's something for everything. Like people used to laugh at Oz, Oz rap and say Oh, it's for lads or it's for junkies or it's for bogans yeah. or whatever. But now I, I think it's, if you love hip hop, there's something for you from Australia. 110%. You know what I mean? If, if you like Afro beats or Afro fusion type stuff, there's that. There's that. Yeah. If you like drill, there's that. If you like grime, there's that. And there's been that for a while. Yeah. If you like just straight up kind of more boom bap influence stuff, that's having a big resurgence now in Australia. So yeah, yeah there's something for everything. And I think anyone that says that, you know, Oz rap is, for, is only for these people or that people, they just haven't looked properly into it yeah to be blunt <laughs> yeah, yeah to be very blunt um so with like the oz scene do you see a lot of commonalities between let's say like the uk from when like bbk were doing stuff in their garage to what they ended up being do you see like a lot of commonality from like our scene to the uk and like that sense and also the sense that like kind of drill was what brought it to more of a forefront in a sense as well yeah i i guess in a sense of we're both foreign territories for hip-hop you know hip-hop yeah. is so still to this day is so staunchly an american yeah. thing you know what i mean like people in america might listen to skepta who's definitely one of the biggest grime artists in the world and they might yeah. be like i don't get this fucking accent i don't understand it yeah. um obviously the uk they have that grime tie-in so you know 140 bpm a lot of electronic influence yeah. a lot of americans still find it really hard to wrap their heads around that and that's yeah. skepta you know who's got cosigns from yeah. drake and asap rocky and, the, and, and kanye the yeah. biggest biggest rappers in the world so I definitely feel that there's this kind of, I guess, underdog mentality for the UK and yeah. Australia both as we kind of rise on that global platform. All right, back into it. Sorry for the audio cutout. We're having a few audio issues. Hopefully it gets resolved. Now, let's backtrack a second. Yep. Kev, when you were young, I remember listening to A1 yep. and you'd mentioned you'd done a law degree. Yeah. So how did the music life come about? <laughs> um. Well, I've always been like a massive fan of music. Um, the first type of music I loved was like metal and hardcore. So my brother, you know, when he was 16, I would have been 12 or something. And, you know, that was back when new metal was a big thing. So, yeah. you know, bands like Slipknot, Korn, Limp Bizkit, real, that rap rock sound, that that was kind of the big sound of the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And my brother being 16, you know, he was fully into that, had yeah. gel spiky hair, like yeah. chains, wallet <laughs> chains, like... <laughs> baggy ass jeans with skate shoes you know yeah. that was the that was the aesthetic at the time um 
Yeah, so I was borrowing CDs off him. So I was yeah. basically getting his CDs and then that's when I first got into music. Um, so I was really listening to metal and hardcore predominantly up until I was like 17, you know, that yeah. was... But then again, with that being said, I, I obviously I liked, you know, like Dr. Dre, 50, Eminem, The Game, all that kind of like typical stuff that, yeah. you know, people in the early 2000s loved. And then, um, yeah, I did, I did law in uni and I got into like two... Two and a half years into like my five-year degree because I did a double yeah. degree. I got two and a half years in and I was kind of like, damn, this kind of sucks, hey? Like, yeah, yeah. This is like not fun. And then I always had a real big talent for writing. Like I yeah. got I got a scholarship when I was really young to, to a school for, for my creative writing. And and um, that's, I had like a blog. I had like a Tumblr where I just like write down little thoughts and stupid little things. And, you know, my friends always used to read the Tumblr and be like, you should get back into this and, and you yeah. know, start trying doing it for a job. And I was like, all right. So I started writing more and then I started just like, Back then, there were a lot of websites. You know, nowadays it's like every, like there are a lot of podcasts and, yeah. and and video content. Back then, it was all about websites. So, yeah. um, I was interning for like guys like In the Mix, Faster Louder, The Brag, all these kind of like big publications that were covering yeah. mainly dance music back then. If I'm going to be honest, In the Mix was kind of the big one, and that was a dance publication. So, I was getting free tickets to go to festivals to, right? Yeah, to, yeah. to review them essentially. So I was just doing it for that. Like I was just like. You know, like when you're 19, 20 years old and, you know, you get three free tickets to Stereosonic to yeah, review yeah. it. It's like 360 bucks you're cheering, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was just reviewing stuff for gigs and um, slowly developing my own style. And then eventually I just somehow got a job. It was heaps random. I just yeah. applied for this job and I had like this resume which didn't have that much stuff on it. But then yeah. again, I was going hard. Like I was interning for literally anyone that would take me. I yeah. was just interning just to get my name out there and then um, landed a job and then, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, then, and then not that many people were writing about hip hop back then. Like, honestly, like yeah. nowadays it's like, obviously it's like huge, but back then, not really. Like yeah. I, I worked for a magazine called Primo and that was kind of like one of the few in Sydney that was covering kind of like contemporary hip hop and stuff like that. And yeah. that's when I first started, you know, making inroads into the, into the music industry, quote unquote. Um, with publicists who are working with, you know, artists like Joey Badass or The Game or yeah. all this and that. So that's kind of where, like, I kind of, yeah, first first came into... Crazy, you mentioned him. So, like, your interviewing career, first of all, we'll start with Kim K. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, yeah, so I was writing for... The first magazine I actually wrote for, that was how it came about. Because that was, like, a fashion and music magazine. So it was, like, yeah. 50% music, 50% fashion. And they had emailed us, like, Kim's... Um, publicity team they yeah. emailed us and said hey can you write about her appearing at westfield Parramatta?" and i was like absolutely yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so so i wrote about this i wrote this article sent it back and yeah. you know just as an off comment um i said something like yeah let us know if she has any time when she's here like yeah. as as a fucking off comment and then like i remember it was like a saturday morning my boss texted me it was like check your email and i checked it and there's an email back from them and they said, yeah, you've been approved for like a five minute interview with Kim Kardashian. I was like, you're fucking <laughs> joking me. You're taking the piss right now, eh? Like me being like, how, how like in my early 20s, I was like, this is the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, and people didn't be believe crazy. it, bro. People did not believe it. I remember yeah. my mate Ash, shout out to him from Perth. I texted him when I was in the hotel lobby because it was up in um, the Park Hyatt underneath the Harbour Bridge. That's yeah. where she was staying. And they full took me into this room and gave me like this all, all this lanyard and shit. And yeah. I took a photo of it. I sent it to my mate. He was like, get fucked. Yeah. You're kitty. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell anyone else. And then like, yeah, we did the interview. She was super nice. Like yeah. really, really lovely woman. And then, yeah, she had a fashion line coming out at the time, but she was in Sydney with Kanye for the Yeezus tour. That's you made like, Kanye? 
Nah, no. nah, I wish. He wasn't do- he was already way too big by then, whereas yeah. I think Kim was like getting her start in the fashion yeah, the, industry. The whereas, scene, you know, yeah. by that time Kanye had released, you know, graduation, <laughs> My Beautiful Dark Twisted yeah. Fantasy. He was like some of his best He was already the best rapper and producer on the planet. So yeah. um Yeah, met Kim. And that was cool. Um and yeah, she was nice. Yeah, that's mad. So then the other three I wrote down, ASAP Ferg, how'd that Ferg. come about? Yeah, so Ferg's um Ferg's publicist at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was signed to Sony Records and she was like she was basically the one that gave me my start in the industry. Yeah. Man. Um she was the one that when I first came onto the scene and I was writing, she was reaching out to me, being like, Do you want to interview like literally the craziest rappers like yeah. <laughs> like TI, like the game. I've seen like, the photo of you and TI. Yeah, like yeah. Walker Flocker, which didn't happen, but you know, she yeah. was the one putting me forward for all these interviews because I think she just believed in me at the time and I appreciate that forever. So yeah. she was actually Ferg's um, publicist. Um, because she was the head of hip hop at Sony. Yeah. Um, so she, at that time, Ferg was was not even a rapper, really. Yeah, he right. came out as ASAP Ferg's uh, ASAP Rocky's hype man. Yeah. So Rocky had a gig at um, Horton Pavilion, and I think that was straight after his first record. Yeah. Um, well, his first major label record. So yeah, she was like, "Do you want to interview this guy, ASAP Ferg? He's kind of coming up." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, yeah." And then we um, he was actually like a couple of hours late because. He went shopping at Subi for ages. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, I think Subi called him up or Culture Kings or someone yeah. and they were like, yeah, do you want to come through? And he was like, yeah. So he was like a couple of hours late, but it was just cool to meet him at such yeah. an early stage in his career. And then I've interviewed him like two or three more times after that. Yeah. And then he was just in Australia last week um, for the Hennessy thing. So yeah. yeah, it's been cool to see Ferg, um, Ferg do his thing over yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah. So when you interview him, how long after was like work remix in the Shabba tracks? Maybe I year? think it was around the same time. Yeah, right. I think he it's maybe crazy. had a couple of tracks. I, I don't remember. It was like so yeah. long ago. But I think he had a couple of tracks out, but he definitely wasn't like, you know, yeah. the established. I think the tour after that, he played his own show at the Metro Theatre. Yeah. But at that point, he he came out as kind of like the hype man for Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been pretty yeah. pretty early on, I think. Yeah. yeah, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's unreal. So then Kendrick is the other one I put down. Yeah. <laughs> How was that interviewing... Arguably, for some people, the best rapper in the world. Like. Yeah, yeah, that was that was another really crazy one because um, yeah. my friend Katie, um, she worked at Universal, and I remember she was saying, you know, we've got three interview slots for Kendrick, and I'm going to give you one. I was like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Kendrick at the time, I remember he, he had just dropped Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, so it was like by then he'd been put on by you know the game Snoop Dogg. Dre, everyone had put yeah. him on and he was kind of being primed as like the next king of the West Coast, quote unquote, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, well, he'd be the next best thing out of Compton, essentially. At exactly. The time. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the big, everyone was talking about the West Coast resurgence, the yeah. West Coast renaissance. And he was kind of the guy on the on the forefront of that. And then when he dropped Good Kid, I remember they moved his show from the Metro Theatre to the Enmore and it just sold out straight away. Yeah. Nice. And, I, and we were going to the show that night. And um, yeah, I turned up to his hotel, which was the Hilton on George Street, yeah. um, just past Town Hall. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I met Katie there and she was like, hey, yeah, Kendrick's coming down. And then I remember he came down in the lift, just like kind of in his pajamas. And then I don't know, even know why he came down. And then yeah. he was like, we're like, oh, where are we going to do this interview? He's like, oh, you just want to come to my room? I'm like, yeah. yeah, all right. So I'm like weirdly in like Kendrick Lamar's hotel room at the Hilton, <laughs> like literally in like a bedroom type situation. Yeah, like really. we're just sitting at this like little table and I'm interviewing him. There was no video back then. Like then yeah. no way the publications did not have resources for videos. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a written thing. And yeah, I remember, um, I remember I finished the interview and then I was like, yeah, can I get a photo? And then his manager was like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So he's taking a photo of me and Kendrick. 
But like we couldn't figure out how to get the the blinds open for the natural yeah, yeah. light. He was like, no, no, the natural light's bad. And he was trying to figure out how to do the blinds electronically. Yeah. And it was like jamming. And then we ended up just turning on the bedroom light. And he was like, no, the angle's bad. So his manager was climbing on the bed and like taking photos from the bed and like, fuck, he was a legend. Shout out to him. I, I, f- I forget his name, but he was a legend. Like, and, and Kendrick, of course, like, you know, looking back now, it's crazy. You know, he just dropped a record, stopped, stopped the whole world basically with his yeah. record. And he's done such amazing things since um but yeah that's another weird one to look back on and i interviewed him a couple of years later actually over yeah. the phone when he had a deal with reebok um the magazine i was writing for had like this little thing with reebok so when yeah. he had his shoes that had like one said blue and one said red and it was like yeah. a reebok classic it was before his nike shit so yeah yeah i actually interviewed him twice but that one was like i think a really special one because of yeah just where he was at the time like good kid obviously being his real big yeah. kind of breakthrough one of record. the best albums of all time yeah, yeah, crazy, because I, I, was, I was fucking with this section. Oh, I remember, yeah, in the interview as well, um, I asked him as his last question, his big, not, it wasn't even his song, but the song Fucking Problems with like Rocky, yeah. Two Chains. That was like the big song of its, at, at the time, and I asked him being like, as a question, just, just being so stupid. I was like, are you going to play Fucking Problems tonight? And he was like, maybe. And I went to the show and he played it, and I was like so gassed. I was like, yeah. I wonder if he actually played it because I asked him about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just me, like self-imposing importance on myself. But I was like, I'd like to think that in my head, that's yeah. what happened. You know, like he was like, oh fuck, that guy said I should play it. I should probably play it. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens in my head. Yeah. Yeah. What was the best song at that show later? What was the best song he played? Like, what got the crowd most hyped? Um, I think Mad City was big. Yeah. Um, Pussy and Patron, I remember, was big. Yeah. It was so long ago, man. I yeah. don't even, I don't even remember. But he played a lot of Section Eighty stuff, and um, High Power was one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming he would have played it, yeah, because I remember that being the big single off the off the EP. But yeah, it was so long ago, bro. Like all these yeah. shows just like mash my brain. Like, yeah, yeah, after after a couple of years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then after that, we got Joey Badass, who I think is one of the most underrated rappers of all time. Yeah, yeah. How was it interviewing him? Yeah, so interviewed him twice actually, um, but. The time I think you're talking about is, yeah, we actually had this like little series, the, the magazine I used to write for, we had this series where we'd spend like a whole day with a with an artist and it'd kind of be like a photo journal interview yeah. type thing. So we did that with a couple of artists, like um, even Tanache we did at one point. I seen the photo on your gram. Um, yeah, yeah, I love Tanache. Was she's, that she's before or after two on? After, yeah. after, after. It was after yeah. Aquarius. It was straight after the album Aquarius dropped. And yeah. I think that was her first and only Australian tour. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, Joey Badass, yeah, we interviewed him twice. He's the second tour, yeah, we went down to Bondi, got a feed, just hung out for ages. Did you get recognized much back then? Nah. Nah. nah this would yeah. this would have been like 2014 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy what he yeah. What was the album card? All American Badass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That album was the uh, yeah, I think it was before that. I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah I don't even remember. It was after nineteen ninety nine, definitely. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and then Obviously, those interviews are mad, but you've also gone on to do like interviews for other shows. So, Filter, is it Filter Zone or Filter, Filter Zone? Zine? Yeah. Yeah, Filter yeah. Zine. How was that like starting that and whatnot, being part of that? Yeah, that was mad. That was, that started in 2019. And I think that happened at a time when all the drill stuff was popping. Yeah. Uh, the underground by, was well popping by that by that time, you know, after the big show in it, Wombat, Triple One, yeah. Nerve kind of explosion in 2018. And then Drill came along, obviously, 1 4. Yeah um hefs and all those boys were going hard so i guess we were starting a, we started a magazine because we were sick of radio and um traditional media covering the same sort of artists yeah so yeah it's like it's like i sound old but even back then it's like 
obviously everyone now wants to interview one for yeah but back then no one gave a fuck yeah like at least on an industry media side like like no one knew who they were bro like and to be honest like it was only because like rick and how like rick who manages them and and yeah everyone knows who how is but yeah they clued me on way early because like i've been friends with rick for years so rick i remember sent me on um facebook chat he was like check this out and it was what you know by one four. Yeah. And I was like, this would have been like 2018. So I was like, fuck, these guys are, yeah. it's, it's a bit different, eh? Because back then, no one dressed like that. No one, oh, people dressed like that, but no one had the, you know, the Bally UK kind yeah. of influence coming into meets, you know, I guess, quote unquote, lad subculture. No one was really doing that. No one was rapping like they were. No one was yeah. doing those beats, really. Um, so for them to do that, I mean, filter, it was always about championing the underground yeah. and championing shit that was kind of like forward yeah. and stuff that was getting ignored by the rest of the media. That was the three main things. I could tell when you did the interview with Paco from J-Dot. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a proper, like actually interviewing the brand that is basically on the forefront of like underground culture and like Sydney, especially. Yeah. Like that interview was mad. And then obviously the 1-4 interview and nerve interview as well like they were sick mm. and, like, and, pa- and Paco someone I've known like literally since they fucking re- first started bro yeah. like I remember I was working for a magazine at the time and they were doing a shoot for G'd up and there was like Cadillacs everywhere and like yeah 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 I had no idea what was going on I didn't know who they were back then yeah. I was just like a little intern and I was like oh these guys seem kind of cool I remember yeah. they gave us a bunch of clothes and then obviously to see him Paco and, and Bo from like where they were back then to like where they are now it's crazy because yeah. G'd up I remember going to the take flight gig in para like a couple of weeks ago and literally I did a joke Instagram story because I was literally just like filming yeah. the whole gig and yeah. like everyone was wearing G'd up yeah, yeah. like it was crazy so yeah to see those boys like and it, it almost feels like we're doing it together you know what I mean yeah. because I've seen them from so from so young and obviously the past 10 years it's just been like crazy yeah. for them they're just killing it and yeah, I've wanted one of those hoodies for ages, but I can't decide what they keep on bringing out better ones. So I'm yeah. always like, yeah, I don't know which one, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get yeah. one, the one with the big writing on the back or some shit. Yeah. I remember <laughs> being like 16, so when you're from the mountains, on a Thursday night you go to the plaza and you yeah. like just hang out and all the other school kids are there. Yeah. But then occasionally like we'd lie and we'd go to Parramatta and go into the flagship store back then, that yeah. like the small flagship store. Yeah. Some of the shit they In the had Westfield, back, yeah. Yeah. Some of the shit they had back then was just like tops, eh? Well, speaking of the mountains, I even remember G Dup was supporting guys like Thunders back in the day. Yeah. Thunders were Jess One was wearing G Dup all the time. So yeah. yeah, it just goes to show, you know, G Dup been around for a while and yeah. you know, total respect to those guys, man. And yeah, it's just good to like, you know, with filter just to you know, do stuff that's a bit more deep and like non-conventional artists and, and artists that yeah. don't necessarily get the most love from the traditional channels and media. That was the whole point. Yeah. And that's why we did one for as our first, as our first interview. Cause you know, it was just so abrasive. Yeah. And like, if, if you guys know Chris, who I did filter with, you'll understand like we are, both of us just love like the most fringe, like raw raw abrasive subcultural yeah. stuff and it's not like we want to be fucking lads and we yeah. want to do we want to be drillers it's not because like you know me and chris both come from a background of hardcore punk and that's the yeah. same thing bro it's like it's not just rock music it's yeah. hardcore fucking punk you know yeah, like yeah. the most abrasive raw diy shit you can get yeah you know or black metal like yeah, which is yeah. again like you know the we're just into like the most niche and like the most like extreme subcultures and yeah i, I don't know the reason for that i think it's just part of its intrigue and part of it's just, you know, wanting to do stuff that's different. Yeah. yeah. I think like the rawness of like the environment of the subcultures within music is yeah. like what dra- like brings a lot of people to it. It's like, you don't, like what's the next step? And then also like just people express themselves a lot more openly within those like 
Oh, of course. Like dress how they want um, and like the music they make especially is like what makes it so like beautiful in a sense. Yeah, that's why I always tell artists. It's like, artists feel like when they sign to a label and stuff that they got to switch stuff up and I'm like, you got signed for being this way. Yeah. Like we like we're not going to come in and say change stuff because like we signed you for a particular yeah. reason you know so i always tell artists you know like when you work with a label and stuff it's it's definitely you know keeping true to who you are and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's about kind of like enhancing what you do not changing what you do and i think that's like a really important differentiation yeah. um but yeah it's, it's just cool it's cool to see crazy you mentioned like mentioned it something i've noticed the reason i started this podcast is because i followed uk for a long time mm. and the one thing like I noticed about the UK when they came through was you had Grime Daily, you had SBTV and there's another one that dropped off that I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. But like they had an infrastructure essentially. Mm. And the one thing I've always kind of thought about like our hip hop culture essentially was like our infrastructure in Australia wasn't really set well. Mm. And I thought like Filter Zone was the perfect, like the, the interviews you did like allowed artists to express themselves a bit more openly mm. whereas like radios and mainstream they didn't want a bar of hefs they didn't want a bar of one four mm. and stuff like that mm. but like personally i think it's a bit of a downfall sometimes that we don't have enough media channels for like artists to come through mm. do you think like australia has an improvement on the music infrastructure for like hip-hop or do you reckon it's perfect as it is no i, th- I think like having as many channels as possible is good but i feel like we really need to i guess What's, what's the word? I don't know how to say it. But like, I think like something like Cater, for example, yeah. is really good yeah, because yeah. like it gives like at least like a national hip hop focused kind of channel for artists to kind of like premiere songs and do this yeah. and that. Um, now we have like so many uh, podcasts, you know, and, and, and like YouTube interview channels going up, which is mad. Yeah. I also think back in the, not back in the day, but a couple of years ago, you even had, you know, Body Bag Media that had a crazy run. Yeah, I remember like, that. They had a crazy run then. And even before then, Hustle Hard, you know, yeah. that laid the foundations for all of us. Um, and One Love Creations as well, you know, you, you can find Chillin' It and, and yeah. a lot of Rops, Rops One's videos on there. So yeah, I think it's like, um, we, we've had it, but I think like we need kind of like more resources. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I feel like on a grander scale, like hip hop's still the minority in this country. Yeah. It's not like in the States. You go to the States and you turn on any radio station and they're playing hip hop fucking 24-7. Yeah. You know, and I think hip hop is the biggest genre in the world, undeniably. It's the biggest genre in the world. I think in Australia, we just need kind of like more just resources. Yeah. Because I feel like, and resources, when I say that, like, yes, I mean money, yeah. but also putting people who are actually authentic and, and care about the culture into positions of influence. Yeah. Um, so, Couldn't you know, we, more. yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously we have so many things now we have radio, we have DSPs, we have like, um, you know, um, booking agents, promoters, yeah. um, labels, everyone's trying to get a piece of hip hop now because people know that it's going to be, yeah, you know, it, well, it is the biggest thing internationally, but like yeah. the local scene here is doing unprecedented numbers. Yeah. Unprecedented, you know, um, there are guys from Mount Druid uploading videos, getting the same numbers as major label pop artists. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think that as, you know, this progresses and, you know, the industry leans in and lends more resources, you know, to hip hop, I think it's really important to have the right people in those positions of power. Yeah. Um, because I think hip hop, especially um authenticity is so important yeah and i feel like if you get the wrong people in kind of like 
those positions and they don't know the nuances of the scene or whatever, that's when he can kind of get a bit yeah. diluted and a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my first exposure to like people that truly care about the scene. So the first artist I ever worked with was Fez, CG mm. Fez. Mm. And Fez, like I've never, I haven't met him yet, but Howie, like he just spoke at length about like Howie and his care for like the whole music oh. scene. And like how he's like, they call him the Godfather, like some of them, because he's just like that overseeing figure of like, Bro, like, Howie is the fucking man. Yeah, like, yeah. Honestly, like, he's helped me so much throughout the past years too. Um, you know, obviously not just his stuff with Triple J, but, you know, just mentoring so many yeah. artists in the scene. And, and, you know, it's so important to have figures like that who actually give so much of their time and their energy to the scene. I think he's on holidays right now because yeah. he definitely, <laughs> he deserves it, bro. Yeah, he did go on holiday. But Howie, man, like, honestly, I literally hit him up yeah. maybe like a couple of months back. And I was like, man, like, you know, you have a beautiful wife, you have two kids, like, how are you in the studio so often? And I'm yeah. just like, he's just like, I love it, bro. Like, yeah. you know, like, like he works like, you know, a full-time job. And then, you know, on, on the weekend, he goes and, you know, goes to the studio and helps out artists and not even the artists that he necessarily like signed to his label because yeah. he's got a label, but just artists generally, bro. Yeah. And just like giving advice. He's always got so much time for time for me whenever I hit him up to ask about anything and you know, I think that's so important to have guys like Howe around and, you know, Ricky yeah. too, like I mentioned Ricky before, yeah. same sort of thing. And, you know, hopefully as I get older, because I'm not young, bro, I'm like 32. Yeah. Hopefully when I get older, I, you know, devote more time to that as well. Yeah. But like, you know, right now being 32, I'm just like trying to figure out that work-life balance. I think Howie, <laughs> Howie's figured it yeah, out. He's, yeah. he's got a, He's got something working for him. Yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm still finding my feet in that instance. And, you know, I wish sometimes like... I was talking to Hayden from Take Flight about this as well. I was yeah. like, fuck, I wish sometimes we could just, you know, help every single person that hits us up. But for me, realistically, it's like, yeah. it's just not possible, bro. Like, yeah. and you know, like, I don't mean to sound rude or anything, but sometimes I just don't, I don't answer a lot of DMs because yeah. I just don't. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's like, if you look at all my best, anyone who knows me, look, you look at all my best mates, they're all like they they like going to gigs and they love yeah. rap music and stuff, but they're not music industry people. Yeah, yeah. Because when I hang out with my mates, I just want to zone out and I just want to go eat some good food, yeah. vibe, have a couple of drinks and that's it. Yeah. Like I don't want to sit here talking about someone's fucking rollout when I'm yeah. with my friends, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 110%. Yeah, so I just want to hang out with like regular ass people. And, you know, I think you need those people when you get deeper into the music industry as well because like I remember like, like, like I said, all my friends there like they're, they're invested in hip-hop and, and they love hip-hop and stuff. And then one of my best mates from high school, he lives in LA. He's actually yeah. moving back here soon. And I remember he came to visit him and his wife and he has no connection to the hip-hop scene. He's yeah. he's literally like a, he's an engineer for like a solar, solar power plant or some <laughs> shit, like an actual proper fucking yeah. job. Like, yeah. you know, and then he came back and I remember having lunch with him down in, um, down in Barangaroo. And I was like, I left the lunch and I was like, I actually forgot how that felt. Yeah. To sit down and not talk about music with someone and just yeah. talk about regular life shit. Yeah, just life. Yeah. Just life, bro. It was crazy. Cause like like I have the best friends in the world, but like, yeah. you know, one way or another we always talk about hip hop and this and that. Yeah. Um, I was just like, Whoa, that was wild. We're just talking yeah. about footy and like yeah. and like how the sharks were doing in the comp th that Are you season. Sharkies fan? No, I'm not, but he is. Yeah, yeah. We're just talking about how the how the sharks were going that season, and you know what was happening in LA, and what was going on at the fucking solar power plant or whatever yeah. it was. And I was like, damn, this is kind of fresh. Yeah, yeah. So I really think I'm trying to like work that out. Find um, that work life balance. But yeah, but I think that I think that you know when when I do work that out, it's probably gonna take me a couple of years. You know, yeah. I'd love to love to have a situation like Howie where you know he. 
he has that freedom to, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's earned his stripes, he's done his thing. Yeah. And now he just does it for the love, like you said. It's yeah. just wild. Yeah, shout out to Howie, man. Like, I can't thank him enough yeah, for a, all the stuff he's done for he's me over the, the best, years. He's the best, man. He's the best. Like, who knows where Oz Hip Hop would be without people like him. 100, bro. From yeah. Coolism to Triple J. And like I said, bro, the BTS stuff, yeah. people didn't know how much BTS stuff he does. Yeah, yeah. You know, even on a personal level, I can say, like, how much, he, how much he's helped me throughout the years. And yeah. that's like, kind of like what I was saying before, even about when... I think it's really important as hip hop in Australia gets so big that we pay our dues to who laid the foundations. Yeah. And that's why I'll always go out here and say, you know, Howie, um, Petrina, Rick, you know, even like Hustle Hard, all those sort of channels, yeah. like they laid the foundation, Cursor, you know, yeah. like all, they all laid the foundation for what's happening now. Yeah. And no one can deny that. Like, yeah. yeah. Funny thing about Curse, you know, Morrison in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. They're like friends. Oh, I true. never picked that up. I saw yeah. it the other day. They like comment on each other's photos and stuff. Matt. It was the weirdest friendship, but I was like, it's yeah. matter how Cursor gets recognition overseas for being the Don. Yeah, Cursor's yeah. another one, bro, where it's like, he's the blueprint, you know what yeah. I mean? When we see everything happening now from the underground, it's like, he's the blueprint, you yeah. know? Everyone who's coming up is like, you know, that was, he was the first, you know, real abrasive underground yeah, abrasive. rapper to yeah. reach those heights. And no, I'm not saying that he was the first guy from the underground to get big, like people are going to misinterpret what I'm saying, but like yeah. that particular, you know, Southwest Sydney, unapologetically um, himself yeah like, yeah like whatever you want to call it i think gutter rap was the term people were using back then yeah. i don't know i don't know if people you know like people know what i mean when i say yeah. that so he was the first you know and and i think like i i only met him for the first time about probably like a, a year ago yeah. i met him for the first time and bro, he was so lovely like the nicest yeah. guy bro like and every single time we message he's always like yeah man hope you're doing well hope your family's well like yeah. what's going on like always down to chop it up so yeah shout out to curse man and I went to his show in um, December last year at the Enmore. Yeah. Was it in December? His last show at the Enmore, whenever it was. And, you know, that was that was crazy. Yeah, man. yeah. Son doing it that hard 10 years deep. Like, massive respect. Yeah, know? respect. I'm just going to change this out quickly. Yeah. Um, another one I was going to mention, um, Eski. I spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he was like, he was the, I was listening to an interview with, Ricky, like the manager of 1-4, and he was saying like, um, Eski was the person who sent him the boys. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just, and yeah, I spent a lot of time at Open Studio, the place where I do the pod. Open, open source, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just crazy. Like Eski just loves to be there. Like he does his social yeah. work and stuff of a day and then he comes through and like, yeah. The, is that a street uni thing at Livo? Yeah. Yeah. So there's street uni here and then there's one in Penrith. One um, in Mountie as well, maybe? And yeah. there's another one elsewhere. But yeah, he's like, he adores it. It's his favorite thing to do. Yeah, I know him and Randy. I think Randy had like yeah. a lot to do with that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too like familiar with Eski myself. Like, I, I, I know yeah. him like and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I've noticed that, you know, people shout him out for being, you know, yeah. one of the guys to first put one for and stuff on. And, you know, it's really important to have that stuff um, happening on like, you know, like even the stuff Spanion's doing when you think about that, it's like, he even said himself, you know, the social workers and stuff say that no one can reach these kids unless people like, you know, look like them and sound yeah, like them, yeah. you know, like, and that's why I got massive respect for the stuff Spaniards doing now. Like, it's just hectic. Um, you know, he, I think he's really realized like how much influence and power his voice has and he's yeah. gone out there and, and doing his thing. And even Kobe D, bro, like Kobe D's from, we grew up like 30 seconds away from each other. You grew up out there, know? did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Kobe D grew up 30 seconds away from each other. Like, obviously he, he's like a, you know, very proud Southeast, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Southeast yeah. Sydney guy, Southeast so, Demon, yeah, 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 he's um, 
and all the stuff he's doing lately, you know, his last tour, all the gigs were free. Yeah. Uh, free food, alcohol and drug free, like just whole like community events. Yeah. I went down to the one just down near Maruba Beach and, you know, fucking to see that, bro. Like, yeah. Like I've known Kobe for a couple of years now, you know, one of the first, one of the first interviews he did was the one with Filter. Yeah. And to see him since 2019 when, when we first met, like to now, it's like his vision's so clear. Crazy. And he's so community driven, yeah. bro. And it's like, I think he's one of the best artists in the country. I think everyone, anyone will say that. You yeah. Know? He's one, definitely one of the most important storytellers we have right now. And yeah, yeah Co- Kobe, Spanion, you know, just, just doing yeah. the thing, bro. Kobe's been unreal to watch because I was listening to Triple J one night. I used to deliver pizzas and Jody Freestyle came on. I used to listen to it on SoundCloud for months. Yeah. Then I got to Spotify. Yeah. And um, yeah, I sent him some gear at the time. But like, yeah, just, yeah, watching him grow to like what he like what he does now is just remarkable. Like he's yeah. such a role model for like the youth. It's crazy. Like he said, like like Spanion said, like, the youth won't respond unless they see and hear someone that yeah. is them. Yeah, that they can that. relate to, man. Yeah. I think Kobe does that really well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's like a fucking state champion boxer or some shit as well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. he can throw a good punch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen him sparring with the boys in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like Bugsy Malone. He was a bloody champion boxer. And then it went oh, to really? shit. Then took up rapping. Oh, good on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. KBD and Bugsy Malone should get into a charity fight. Yeah. Well, Yellow Boy Tommy as well. Yeah. Up from... Um, I've heard you mention him a few times. Yeah, I think he's from around the... I think Pennant Hills. Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong, Tommy, but yeah. yeah, he was like a, you know, just like champion level boxer as well. Then he got injured and he started doing, you know, yeah. music. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned him before, Spanion. Like, congratulations, first of all. Yeah. Thank you. On that. Yeah. How was that writing his book? Yeah, it was mad, bro. Like, yeah. honestly, like I've never like, even though I've done, done journalism for so long, I've never considered myself like a quote unquote journalist. You know, I don't yeah. get invited to the journalism awards. I don't get named in these like best of fucking bullshit lists yeah. that they do about it because those dudes don't know what's up but like yeah like i've written for a long time yeah. you know and um i think when that happened it was just like not expected at all because yeah. obviously like i think books have this mystique about them being like oh you have to be like a proper author yeah yeah and it's yeah. just like me who just writes like dumbass reviews on rap yeah. music just comes along and yeah shout out to my mate at it he's actually the one that hooked it all up because he started managing Span, yeah. and I mean him have worked on stuff together for years and years and years. Yeah. Um. So he hooked it up, and then yeah, from there it was it was just go go go, and yeah, <laughs> it's just funny that it happened. Still to this day, I'm like I cannot believe that that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's just just goes to show, you know, um, you know, hip hop, Australian street culture and stuff. It's just becoming such a massive, undeniable thing that yeah. you know everyone kind of wants a piece of it. I guess. How long did it actually take you to write the book? Like when mm. I when I'd seen you'd published it because I followed you on Instagram for a while, mm. I was like, looking at it, I was like, fuck, that would have taken a minute, bro. You know, the funny thing was, so we wrote like one chapter as a as like kind of like a pitch to publishers. Yeah. So that's what you send yeah. around to people and see who's keen. And then it got picked up by the publisher in May. Yeah. So May twenty twenty one. And we had to have, have it done by September, fully done by September. Yeah. So that's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like months. it's the yeah. crate. It was, it must be like the fastest book turnaround of the, like it was just, yeah. it was ridiculous. But yeah. like the best thing was that that was when lockdown was happening. Yeah. So literally I was just doing like 10, 12 hour days of just writing. Like yeah, wow. just went, just went super hard. And then me and Spanian would meet up like once or twice a week and then just do like four or five hour sessions. Yeah. Um, him just going through his life in so like. So would he give you information and then you'd go from there? 
Like, would he just give you a bulk of information as to, like, how his life's occurred? So, basically, when we first met up, we divided his whole life into 15 chapters. And I just yeah, divided man. it based on what I thought makes sense. He literally told me his whole life in two hours. Like, he, like we, the first time we ever met, he yeah. sat down, like, as close as we are now. And I was like, can you tell me about your life? And he goes, yeah, sweet. And just relate his whole life. Yeah. And I was like, that was fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember what I ate for, for breakfast last week. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. for him to do that, it was just wild. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, we split it into 15 chapters and then every time we do one chapter, every time yeah. we met up, we do one chapter. Yeah. So, and then like, by the time I got that chapter, I'd kind of like work out where I needed to get more information. And then the next time we met up before we did the next chapter, I just relay everything yeah. that I needed from the last chapter. Yeah. It was really yeah. confusing, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, it's just mad. Like, and that's how we did it. He just like went into like excruciating detail about like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him um, do like interviews, but also like on his podcast, just talk about like his life and he's just like crazy to fathom like yeah. the life he's lived. Yeah, he's had, a, he's had a wild ride and I think, you know, I think crazily for him, it's just starting. Yeah. You know, he's like 35 or 36 years old, I think yeah. so. And for him to, you know, get out of prison and just have this huge like monumental... Yeah. Like... I didn't even... It's it's hard, bro. Like, yeah. literally, like, five years ago, he was sitting in jail. Yeah. You know? And now he's just, like, you know, arguably one of one of the biggest, you yeah. know... Um, you know, crazy. Uh, personalities that we have yeah. in the country. He's probably the best. He's, he's definitely the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely the best spoken and the most interesting personality yeah. we have coming out of Australia right now. And, you I know, think, I, I, th I think when he, you know, I, I, like, whatever his management has in store, I don't know, but I think whatever they do next, it's going to reach that level of yeah. just, like, full-on fucking... yeah proper like stardom like. yeah 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 110 percent. like yeah. he's yeah he's um because of the, like the pig latin he uses i think people mistake him for actually like how well spoken he is mm. like because he says like ilche and all that like a lot of people yeah. just like discount it yeah. and then like when he actually speaks like i've tuned into his streams every once mm. in a while he's very like well spoken yeah the craziest thing was the publisher full messaged me back when we were going back and forth about the edits because the editing process for the book was yeah, that, that took almost as long as writing the book. Yeah. Um, but I remember they messaged me back and they're like, um, Chris, could you, do you reckon you could like, just like calm down on the, on the C bombs every, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I already took half of them out. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> and, but it's like, you can do word, you know how you can do word, word, uh, word search on yeah. um, Microsoft Word or whatever and it'll tell you how many of that word is. Yeah. And it was like, I remember being like a third of the way through the book and I typed in cunt and it had like 89 <laughs> matches or something ridiculous, you know? So I was like, I already took half of them mm. out. But I get what you mean. Like he does have that distinctly Sydney slang yeah. to him, but 100%, you can see when yeah. he talks about something serious or, you know, a topic, um, he's very, very articulate and very yeah. persuasive too. Like he's yeah. definitely able to get his point across um, very well so yeah. yeah i think in an alternate universe like spanian could have been like yeah you know like i don't even Anything. know yeah. like just with, with the way he talks and the way he's able to get people on board it's yeah. crazy yeah yeah so let's switch it up a bit now so music management how did that come yeah. about um yeah music management came about when so basically um well why did you want to do music management yeah yeah so basically i was doing writing for a while back then this was probably when i was yeah. like 26 or 20 I would have been 26, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'd been doing writing for like, yeah, six years by then. And I guess like everyone, like everyone like on like a, a local level kind of knew who I was. And yeah. I was feeling a bit like, uh, like I've, I've kind of done everything. Yeah. And then- in like writing, in like a writing yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. In a writing sense. Because remember, this was also before like a lot of people had video and stuff. Like yeah. this was just like, 
magazine words, era. words on a page yeah, type yeah, stuff, yeah. you know? Like, I think video was just starting to pick up then and we'd done a bit of video stuff, but not that yeah. much. And yeah, so I applied for, I remember I applied for two jobs and one was in Melbourne and one was in Berlin for two really prolific kind of publications. Yeah. And you know, me being like, in the, in the mindset that I had at the time, I was like, this is it, you know, yeah. this is my big break. I'm going to move to Berlin. This is going to be what's going to set me up for the rest of my life. Yada, yeah. yada, yada. I'm going to move to Melbourne and do this and do this and do this. And then I did interviews and then actually didn't get either of them. Yeah. And I was like, so cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so cut. Like, didn't show it to anyone, but I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because especially like, if you have Asian parents at that age, when you're 26, when you're getting into your late 20s, it's yeah. kind of like, my parents are like, so what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and my brother, my older brother, like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, fuck off. Like, yeah. just let me figure it out, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I had that kind of angle of it. And also just this like huge sense of like disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, you know? So I was like, you know what? Get back on it. So yeah. it's really good timing. Cause you know, just kept on doing the writing thing. 2017, 2018 started doing my writing thing again. Um, and that was when, you know, that whole body bag, one love underground Ozrap type thing was popping. Yeah. So I started focusing all my attention to Australian artists. Yeah. Like I had supported them in the past, like, you know, Manu and, and fundamentals one day, all those boys. Yeah. But with this kind of new underground kind of like really taking prominence, I yeah. started honing my attention to that instead of doing all this shit like joey badass and ti which is cool but it's like doesn't like they're not going to remember it it's just more like funny for me yeah (laughs) yeah 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 so i started focusing all my attention to the local scene and um just started doing all these really early interviews with like chilling at husky um chill man he popped off yeah yeah and this was this was bro this was when he i think he because he took a really long hiatus and he just came back and he did those three big grime tracks with talakai and that's yeah, if that's you know, you know. That's yeah, a, that's what we interviewed him for, bro. Yeah. And I remember they were playing a show at like they were playing a show. They played a show in front of like a hundred or one hundred fifty people. Yeah, and, you know, chilling Talakai joint set. Like, yeah, to, to think back on it now is wild. Like, yeah. yeah, but I remember like Chill was like really excited to do the interview and all this stuff. And that's how I met, started meeting those boys. Yeah. Um, but still in the back of my head, I was kind of like, you know, this writing thing is just a bit like, eh. Yeah. You know, so, um. I'd known the Triple One boys for ages. Like I met them at a couple of parties and then being Inner West boys, I used to see them around and yeah. we'd say hello and this and that. Um, and then I remember like one of the first times I met Triple One, like one of their friends was like, oh, you need to check out these boys. They're like big in the Inner West and, and, yeah. and they're like crazy. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, fuck yeah. off. Like, I was at a party. I was trying to get, <laughs> I was trying to get lit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That, that, that's what I mean about that last thing, man. Like when I'm out, I don't want people to pitch me music and shit. I'm just yeah. like, I want to have fun. Yeah. And this person was like, no, 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 check out Triple. Uh, and I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Coincidentally, like, like a couple weeks later, like I remember on my side, uh, YouTube recommended this video popped up and I, I looked at the thumbnail and I was like, fuck, it's that guy from Triple One. I was yeah. like, check it out. Cause I had a lot of views back then. It was on um this big channel and it had like yeah. a couple of hundred thousand views, which is in- it butter. Uh, no, 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 way, way before that. It yeah. was doozy. This was doozy. Yeah. This was like two years before that. So I remember like, you know, having a couple of hundred views back then in Ozrap was crazy. Like, yeah. un, like pretty much almost unheard of. Yeah. So then basically like I clicked it and, you know, me coming from a background of hardcore and, and punk and shit, I was like, I just, I just got it. Yeah. Like no one was doing that style back then. Like yeah. that was internationally, you had like Suicide Boys and yada, yada, yada doing that kind of hybrid. Yeah. 
um you know like alternative rap style but yeah. no one in australia was really doing it like that much um so yeah i hit up marty from triple one and we just used to talk about music because he just like really basic stuff kind of like that artists don't really know that when they're that young it's yeah. like how do i write this email how do i pitch my music to spotify how do i do this i just help him out just for the for the fuck of it yeah thought they were cool guys and then like yeah i was like one day someone was just like why don't you do why don't you just manage them and i was like i've never done it before they're like so yeah and i was like yeah good point so yeah. i just did it yeah, yeah we all we all met up for milkshakes randomly in paddington yeah. we met up for, <laughs> i was working i was working at an office in paddington that time and i was like yeah can I just yeah. come through on my lunch break so all four of them came yeah you know all four of them rocked up we went to this milkshake shop called mickey's and then we just got milkshakes and talked about it and i said to him straight out from the start i was like you know i'm I'm not going to sit here and promise that I'm going to make you cunt superstars. Yeah. But I can add value where you guys need it. Yeah. And they were like, cool. And then the rest is history, bro. Yeah. Like, I remember, yeah, like after that, you know, that's when all the booking agents and all the labels came calling and they were the first one from that scene to get a, to get a deal. Like, yeah, I think people forget that. Like, that was, I think what kickstarted a lot of on the industry side, the, la the labels interest in like the underground. Yeah. When triple one just started really fucking doing numbers, bro. Like, yeah. We we're selling out the lands down in like a day. I remember I invited. We bought forty of our, we bought twenty of our own tickets. Like yeah. I, like we bought four hundred dollars worth of tickets just so we could invite every label and every booking agent yeah. in the fucking state. And yeah. I remember they all turned up. Yeah. So man. you had like you had like Sony, Warner, yeah. Universal. You had every booking agency, and we were like, we're just gonna make everyone so fucking horny for this band. Yeah. Like it's just well, like we paid four hundred bucks, but it's got a fucking you know back yeah. then, which was like a lot for the band we were like yeah. you know this is gonna pay off so well and it did yeah, yeah so it, it worked it worked so yeah. nerve how'd that come about yeah same kind of thing man i guess that scene was st was still small back then so once you meet one person it's really yeah. easy to meet them all domino effect type of thing yeah i met nerve at um a 50 50 or a fully gassed grime event in melbourne yeah um he was big into the grime back then he was doing you know the joint project with wombat he was getting up with alex jones and fracture and all those boys shout and out alex jones yeah bro i still another think another bar, bar one of the best in the country 100 percent, one of the best in the country he could drop an album tomorrow and it'd be the hottest thing in the country yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like yeah so shout out to him man i actually saw him a couple of weeks back at the at the posse shot show and yeah seen him being good spirits and stuff so yeah, it's mad. yeah shout out to a dot um but yeah nerve was you know being a young guy he was stepping into that realm which is you know a very abrasive kind of scene yeah. and and he was like standing standing on his own two feet and really fucking, you know, yeah. swimming with the big guys back then, you know, Frax and Dime and, yeah. and Scotty. He was having no problem getting up there on Cyphers and just yeah. bodying it. Um, so yeah, like same sort of thing. I just met him and then eventually like we just had a chat. I remember in Melbourne over New Year's, like two or three years ago. And then we, yeah, we just did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, so with like general questions, so different, like Nerves later song. Yep. Like, what, I saw the music video for that. Are you part of, like, the organization for that? I mean, I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be, but Nerve's also a guy who's, like, very self-sufficient. Yeah. Like, he obviously has, like, no one network and that video team up in Brizzy. Yeah. So, with video stuff, like, he he basically has, like, he's also got his head screwed on, you know? So, yeah. he has a very clear vision of, like, what he wants. Yeah. It's not like yeah. I have, like I give him ideas, sure. And I tell him, you know, this shot sucks. Use this shot and stuff like that. Yeah. But general concept wise, he has a very strong vision of like what he wants. Yeah. Same with Triple One, Marty directs all, directs all the videos. Yeah. So I've never had to like step in and like on that level and like give people like- Too much know, direction. Too much yeah. direction because like, oh, 
Sometimes I do, but like at the same time, like I would say like 80% of the staff is just like, they're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I, how, how I want it to look. I know who's going to shoot it. Yeah. And they, we just do it like, which Man. is lucky for me because I do yeah. less, but like, yeah, it's just good to have artists that have a really clear idea of how they want things to sound and look. Yeah. And um, yeah, that different thing, like, you know, half of us filmed in Dubai. I didn't even know that was happening. He was yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to get a June buggy in and we just got to film some shit today. I was like, all right. Yeah. 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 I, I seen it and I was like, there's no way he's fucking filmed this in this country. I have no idea. I have no idea. Bro, do you know the funniest thing? He came down here for a video shoot and that's when the COVID uh, border restrictions were crazy. Yeah. So he came from Brisbane to Sydney for a video shoot, but he yeah. couldn't go back to Brisbane. Like the Queensland border was shut. Yeah, right. So he just came here and I was like, what are you going to do? Because you're not sleeping on my couch for like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, and he was like, oh, I'll just go to Dubai then. And I was like, all right. And he ended up going for like six weeks. It was so yeah. wild. And I was like, when are you coming home? Like, Do you link up with Bam Bam over there? Nah. Oh, I think they were DMing. They were yeah. DMing actually. I think someone... Archie, so Archie from the Batuta Advocate actually yeah. linked them together, but I don't, I don't think they met up or anything. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been crazy if they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember seeing Bam Bam's videos over there with like Nelk and stuff like that. It was just yeah, yeah, crazy. Bam Bam, yeah, he loves it. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he fucking loves it. We see him around because we see him out like when he's not got a fight coming up. We see him around and like yeah, he's like most down earth bloke. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, we we had him on the pod a couple of times, and yeah, he's a super down to earth and funny guy. And again, like we're talking about music, you know, reaching that global level, you can't forget that you know, also him. Yeah, he's literally like, like smashing people's heads in in the UFC and yeah. screaming "Eshe" all the yeah, time. Yeah. Like that's just culture, bro. That's yeah. just culture. Like that's yeah. how you know that's how stuff gets you know internationally recognized these little nuances that we yeah. have you know it's like almost like when grime popped off here and then everyone started saying ting yeah and peng and shit and it's like but that's where we need to be when people start catching on to our slang and yeah. appreciating australian music for being australian you yeah. know that's distinctly australian so yeah. it's mad yeah. it'll be beautiful when americans and um englishmen start saying sha out loud oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's like the diehard like drill heads in like some small town yeah, in yeah, fuck yeah. off one like outside of london <laughs> yeah. are probably like yeah have you heard about this like <laughs> yeah yeah no maybe they are maybe they're not i don't know that's just again that's like what i like to think in my head is yeah. happening <laughs> so like last question so australia wise where do you see the where do you see the scene heading say 2027 five years from now five years from now um I think we'll be globally recognized by then. Yeah. Honestly, I do. What's your definition of that? I just mean like having a community here that... Well, first of all, we have to have a community here where we have people from the hip-hop scene in positions of influence and power. Yeah. So whether that, again, whether that be on a label side, um, radio side, uh, DSP side, media yeah. side, promotional side, booking agent side, festival side. Yeah. I think that's going to be more heavily dominated by local international hip hop. Well, even international hip hop now, it's it's happening. Like you know, yeah. we're just talking about like the listen listen out lineup. It's like yeah. that started as a dance festival, yeah, and now it's almost like a hip-hop. full on fucking hip hop yeah. festival. Yeah, yeah. So it's already happening, but I think locally, like you know, we're going to see more of these like prominent Australian artists on these mainstay festivals, or the hip hop scene is going to create their own festivals, which is yeah. again already happening. You see like Lunar Electric and, and stuff like that. Yeah, That's like half dance, but whatever. Yeah. It's like Curses playing, stuff like that. Yeah, And then I also think um, there's going to be the opportunities for Australian artists to tour um, internationally yeah. um, and be recognized by like, kind of like the media and the, in- and the industry on yeah. that side and actually, and also there's a big difference between being recognized by the industry and actually having fans. Yeah. 
So I'm talking about both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of artists are recognized by the industry, but they have no fans. Yeah. You know, they get pushed by like a certain, uh, you know, brand or they get pushed yeah. by a certain radio station. But do they actually have organic fans? Not yeah. really. Yeah. So I mean like industry support's great, but only when you have that organic fan base. So I think we're going to reach a stage where there's organic demand and fan base for hip hop internationally. Yeah. Um, Australian artists are going to be able to tour there quite healthily yeah. and be on festivals and stuff like that. And yeah, just I'd love to get to the point where, you know, we have like Complex US reporting yeah. on Australian stuff. Yeah. Um, Complex UK and Complex throughout Asia and all the flagship media media outlets in Africa, like yeah. reporting on what happens in Australia, just like what's happening to Kid Leroy. Yeah. You know, he's like the biggest pop star in the world. So, but I think that before that happens, I do think that there's going to have to be a couple more melodic artists yeah to kind of break through that way yeah only because the accent thing is just still so it's such like a big debate i yeah. can't believe we've been having this debate for so yeah. long <laughs> but yeah i i understand from an american point of view they've never heard this accent it can be a bit jarring yeah especially if you're if you talk like like me like, yeah yeah it's yeah. fucked yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so that, that's why i think you know when when people seeing the accent doesn't come through as strong enough yeah um, so I do think that, you know, there's going to be a couple more kind of like melodic artists to kind of break over there. And then I think once that happens, we slowly introduce them to, you know, the more, yeah. the more rap heavy stuff, which I think is already happening. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I know that Young Ellipse had, you know, some good traction, yeah, some good traction overseas with his record. And I think he's a superstar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's going to be a couple more kind of like melodic artists and then the hip hop scene eventually he's gonna yeah and, yeah and the melodic the, kind of like the melodic stuff and the the hip-hop stuff is so mixed nowadays you yeah. know what i mean if you think about something like polo g it literally um, came to the top of my head right yeah polo g, yeah exactly so and he's done shit with Leroy too so yeah you know that's all those worlds are mixed nowadays so yeah i really think it's all going to come up you know um as like together saying, yeah. yeah 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 and i think it's going to take a couple of years you know yeah. it's not an overnight thing but if we look at where we are now compared to 2017 and that was what five years nuts. ago nuts. huge difference yeah. so yeah give it another five years and you know hopefully everyone's going to be eating good and yeah. <laughs> we're going to have our music recognized and yeah really put australia on the map because we're so isolated so yeah. it'd be good for us to you know really have that global imprint yeah. next couple of years speaking of eating good bring back golden century Bro, like, yeah, I walked past it the other day. I don't know what's going on, to be honest. Yeah. I heard it was coming back, but I don't know. It looks kind of empty to me, but there's a couple of good Chinese restaurants still. Yeah. There's, if you go to the 8 in Market City or, you know, East Ocean around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, and the Golden Century still got their other joint in Darling Square yeah. um, as well. So, yeah, there's a couple around, I but, you know. past it, like, last week. I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same, Very bro. Right. It's just that certain energy in there that yeah. that can't be um that can't be replicated. Yeah, because yeah, I've, yeah, I mean, I fucking... We took Rich Brian there for his 21st birthday, you know what yeah, I mean? That's like, mad. Just yeah. Crazy memories in there. And obviously like my family goes there all the time and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Special little spot, but bring it back. Yeah. Anyone out there? I don't know who's doing what. Yeah, but who can do it? <laughs> yeah, who can just do it? Just get doing it. But um, bring it back. Yeah. yeah. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for hopping on. It is a pleasure from like a 22 year old that's watched the scene and knows exactly who you are, like to talk to someone and the knowledge you have on like the Oz scene is just something you can't buy. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for hopping on. We'll get you back on for sure later a date. And um, yeah, 24 Karat Kev on Instagram. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, I love doing this shit anyway. So yeah, yeah it's good to see people actually doing like in-depth conversations and not just like 
random shit all the time. So it's, yeah. I, I think, yeah, we need more of it, you know? We need, we, need, we need more support on a grassroots level, you know, for our artists, you know? And not, yeah. just, not just the big ones. So, you know, the guys that are coming up, they're going to be the next superstars. So we always got to, you know, keep level-headed about, yeah. you know, the scene and, and, and the artists that are just starting out, you know? Because, yeah. you know, stuff moves so quick nowadays. So Yeah, yeah. 110%. Well, 24 Karat Kevin Instagram. If you haven't already, make sure you're following him for um, for the keep the badging content. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know on today. Yeah. No yeah. Sony on today. But, yeah. yeah, and as always, hellsco.com, hellsco on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Thank you for watching. See you next week.